You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I'm excited for this message, and um, I actually want to start off with a couple of stories, and, and most of us will probably be familiar with these stories. It's a tale of two widows. That's not the title of my message, but I want to jump in. Um, the widow at Zarephath, the widow at Zarephath in 1 Kings 17. We're going to kick this off. Let me pray. Thank you, God, for this time, this moment, God, that we can come and experience you. We can experience your goodness, and we can experience fellowship with each other. God, I ask that you speak through me today, that your word, your message, your heart would be delivered. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this is the widow of Zarephath, 1 Kings 17. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Interesting. So he went to Zarephath as he arrived at the gates of the village. He saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only... Underline that in your Bible. Have only a handful of flour in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this meat, and then my son and I will die. Let's pause right there for a second. I was only gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But didn't God just say in the beginning of that verse that he had instructed a widow to feed Elijah? So if I was Elijah at this point, knowing what God told me, but then hearing what this widow said, that she doesn't even have a piece of bread in the house, and she's just got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and then they're going to die, I would be thinking, well, that's not the widow I'm looking for. (laughs) Must be some other, sorry about your luck, sorry about the situation, I got to go find another widow that's going to feed for me. But Elijah knows something. Elijah, Elijah recognized something in this situation. He recognized that God was about to do something powerful in this woman's world. She didn't even know that the miracle was about to happen through her, but God knew, and Elijah heard, and Elijah saw, and Elijah discerned what was supposed to take place. And so let's look and see what happens. Verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Somebody say the tithe. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, God of Israel, says. And I want you to highlight this in the Bible. It's okay to mark up in your Bible. It's okay to to make it messy. Messy Bible, clean Christian. Come on. (laughs) There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family, not, I thought it was just her and her son, but now it's and her family, and her family continued to eat for many days. And watch this. There was always enough, always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. How good is that? Come on. These two stories are stories of salvation and provision, salvation and provision. All right, one more, one more, and then we'll dive into this. This is in 2 Kings chapter 4, and this is Elisha. The first one was Elijah. This is Elisha. Elisha is the successor to Elijah. One day, one day, a widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me what do you have in the house. Watch this. She says, Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. She replied, 
And and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. Then Then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Somebody say amen. Amen. Two two stories of salvation and provision. Salvation and provision. The title of this message is More Than Enough. More Than Enough. We're just uh, kicking off our grateful series, and obviously that's it's a tie-in to Thanksgiving. We want to be thankful. We want to be grateful. But um, what I was thinking about with this message is that you never really appreciate something until it's gone. And, um, and there's, there's actually a lot that I appreciate about this country, and there's actually a lot that we have to be grateful for in this country. But um, if we want to remain a blessed nation, then we've got a lot of work to do. There's a lot that we need to keep fighting for, keep striving for, a lot that we need to be thankful for, for what we do have, and a lot that we need to change as we move forward. There's two parts to this message, and the first part, I want to talk about what gratitude unlocks, what gratitude unlocks. In Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. So giving is the key. Giving thanks is the key to unlock the gates. But what does unlock? What does gratitude unlock? When I first thought about this, I, I thought about uh, entering into the gates and that, that there's a picture, uh, and I want you to envision this right now. Imagine that you're standing outside of his gates. You're standing outside of the gates of heaven, but then you go into it. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think there would be a difference between the outside of his gates and the inside of his gates? And for some reason, this picture popped into my head of, uh, of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I think about the area outside the factory, outside the gates, and it's very drab. It's very gray. There's there's poverty. There's dirtiness. There's there's all this stuff that doesn't excite you. It's 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 pretty humdrum and mundane. And uh, and even even Charlie and his family, they live in this little ramshackle shack. And and there's this one bed in there, and there's two sets of grandparents both sitting in the bed sleeping there. And uh, and and it's always about there's not enough. It's always about lack. But then when he enters into the gates of the chocolate factory, when he enters into Willy Wonka's fun land, there's, there's abundance, there's extravagance, there's, it's full of color, it's full of life. I mean, they have schnozberries, for goodness sakes, and gobstoppers, and a chocolate fountain, and all of these things, this opulence and abundance. And, and to me, this picture of, of, you know, that's what it looks like when you are outside of God's gates, and then you go into God's gates. It's a picture of that chocolate factory. And, and I think one of the things that gratitude first unlocks is it gives us a focus shift. We, we come out of that lack perspective. We come out of a lack mentality, and we, we start to think about what we do have, not what we don't have. We start to think about the goodness of life. We start to think about how, how grateful we are for all of the things. And once you start that cycle in your mind, once you start thinking about, oh, I'm grateful for my wife, I'm, wife, I'm grateful for my boys and the house we have, I'm grateful for the, it just, like, God opens up for you the windows of heaven. You start 
start to see, wow, there's so many things actually that I'm grateful for. There's so many things that I can get excited about. And, and your shift focus, you, you, like your focus shifts. You, you, you don't think about what you don't have. You don't think about, oh, woe is me. You start to have an attitude adjustment. You start to have an attitude of gratitude when we come in and we start to unlock, unlock the gates of thanksgiving. One of the things that I think is a great picture in that movie is the difference between Charlie and his antithesis, Veruca Salt. See, Charlie is, is a, a, a eternal optimist. Charlie is, is very selfless. He's always thinking about his family. He's always thinking about other people. In fact, the whole reason why he wanted so bad to get into the chocolate factory was so that he could save his family, so that he could, he could provide for them, that he could have a way. His, his focus was not myopic. His focus was not self-centered. His focus was external. His focus was on other people. But Veruca Salt, she's the one who's the bad egg, and, and she is so self-centered. She only thinks about herself. It's like the world revolves around her. Everything that happens is supposed to benefit her in some way. And if it doesn't, then she's going to stamp her foot and she's going to cry about it and whine about it and make a scene. And, uh, and it's, it's such an interesting picture of the difference between gratitude and ingratitude. See, Charlie is so thankful for each and everything that he has, even though he doesn't have much. And Veruca is not thankful for anything. And so she's constantly pessimistic. She's constantly upset because she doesn't have, in that exact moment, everything that she ever wanted. And I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves, who, who am I more like? Am I more like Charlie or am I more like Veruca? Do, am I thankful for what I have? Am I selfless in my actions? Am I selfless? And, and watch this, who Charlie was outside of the gates is the same person that Charlie was inside of the gates. So the gates themselves didn't change the internal nature of who he was, but his decision to be grateful put him inside the gates. Veruca, sadly, cannot gain entrance to the gates. She does not gain entrance to the keys of Willy Wonka's kingdom because she has a selfish attitude, not a selfless one. One of the things that gratitude unlocks as well is potential. Potential. If you watch this movie, and I watched a couple of clips um, preparing for this message, when Charlie, when Charlie gets the golden ticket, the first thing he does is he runs back to his house to tell his family, and, and he's so excited with the potential, the hope that they now have, that they have the golden ticket, that they have access into the kingdom of blessing, the kingdom of abundance. And it's, it's a really cool picture, a really cool scene when, uh, when he asks Grandpa Joe to, or, to come with him. And, and this is a man who, with his other grandparents, they've been sitting in bed. And in, in the movie, it says 20 years. And to me, that's like mind-blowing. Like, I don't, I don't know how that's possible. But, but 20 years in bed, and, and he hasn't been able to walk, hasn't been able to move. But one ounce of hope, one ounce of hope deposited in that man gets him to stand up and dance around the room. He starts singing a song, I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden ticket because of one drop of hope. Nothing had happened yet. He hadn't actually gained anything. He hadn't actually won anything. But it was it was the hope that was there that elevated him. It was the hope that raised him from the dead. It was the hope that gave him a vision for his future. When, when we are grateful, when we are thankful, it unlocks a seed mentality in us. And let me tell you what that, explain to you what that means. Typically, when we, when we have something, um, especially a consumable, we, we think, okay, this is for my consumption. We have a consumption mentality. The things that I have, the bread that I eat, the, the money that I earn, whatever it is out there, these, these are things for consumption. But when we're grateful for something, it, swifts, it switches from consumption 
to production. We have a production mentality. We have a seed mentality. We start to understand that, that what I have is not just for eating. It's not just for consuming. It's actually for planting, for sowing, for reaping, for production, that God expands our thinking on what we have. We realize that there's an infinite amount of potential in this seed then there's an infinite amount of potential in what I have in my hand. I just have to process it correctly. I have to use it the way that God is calling me to use it. I have to allow gratitude to unlock that new realm of thinking, that new, new realm of action, that new realm of production. When, uh, when, when we were first married, and uh, Lisa was in hygiene school, and about three years in, she got pregnant with our first son, Grady, and we started to realize that our, our little two-bedroom condo in Mission Valley wasn't going to be enough space for us and our growing family. So we started looking at becoming homeowners in San Diego, and I'm, I'm sure as many of you can attest, it's kind of a daunting experience, you know, and especially for us as a, as a young couple, she was just out of hygiene school. Um, so she had the potential like for that, for that great job, and, and I had a good job as well. So we had that going for us. But we had no deposit. We had, we had nothing in the bank to put down. Um, but because I was former military, I did have access to a VA loan. So we saw that vision. We saw the potential that we had. And, uh, and we realized that, you know, we weren't going to shoot for the moon for this first house, our, our, our launch into homeownership in San Diego. Um, but we wanted to find something with potential. You know, we wanted to find something that was, what could be a first step, could be a seed that we would plant that would, that would launch us into ownership and, and launch us into having a family and launch us into this, this new life. And I want to encourage some people today that, that maybe you're in the process of buying a home or, or looking for that first home, or maybe you're in the process of uh, really believing for a harvest, believing for a breakthrough. Well, um, I want to encourage you that, that it's okay if, if the dream, that vision that you have starts off small. Like, it's okay if, if, if you have something, maybe you have this, this amazing God picture of a dream house, and, and that's great, that's awesome, hold on to that, you're going to need that, and maybe that's for someday, but don't let that stop you from starting, don't let that stop you from launching out, because God can use anything, anything has potential with God. So allow him to speak to you. What's the season you're in right now? What makes sense for you right now? Use wisdom right now. What's the first step that you need to launch off? When you have that potential in your hand and you allow God to come in, anything is possible. Anything is possible when you give God what you have, when you have that potential. The key for it is, though, is that we have to be grateful with what we do have. Even if your potential seems like it's, it's down here, if you're grateful for that, then God's going to elevate your potential to here. And then if you're grateful for that, God's going to elevate your potential from here. And if you're grateful for that, pretty soon you're going to be at that dream home status. You're going to be at that place where you've actually received. And the more grateful you are, the faster you're going to rise. And watch this, the more happy you're going to be in the process. If you're constantly, if you're constantly saying, oh, well, this is not good and that's not good and, oh, like, you know, how long do we have to live in this state? Guess what? You're going to live in that state longer, longer than you want to. And you're going to be unhappy in the process. You're going to be a Veruca Salt. You're going to be a grumpy puss. So you, you might actually never achieve that dream if you can't get the concept of gratitude, if you can't get the concept of what that release can do with you. If you're faithful with the little, God will make you ruler over much. One, one point of warning uh, when it comes to, to gratitude is the, the quickest way to have an ungrateful spirit is comparison. Comparison. We have to avoid the comparison trap. We cannot focus on what other people have. Number one, that's, that's, that leads to jealousy. 
you know, which is a sin, and it will also squash your hope. When you're constantly looking over the fence at what somebody else has, if you're constantly thinking about how much better what they have is than what you have, then it's, it's never going to allow you to have a grateful spirit. You're never going to have a grateful attitude if you're always comparing yourself to others. One of the most frustrating things uh, that our kids do is uh, when one of them will come to us and say, uh, how come my brother gets to have this? How come he gets to have that? And you know what immediately triggers in my mind is that, well, you're not grateful from your have. They'll say, how come, how come Grady gets to play on his iPad? Well, like, you're watching TV. You're watching a show right now. You know, are you ungrateful for that show? Are you ungrateful for the TV? That, that the comparison attitude, it, it, it's, it's, so, it's so pervasive. And we have to be proactive in pushing it out because when we compare, we're not thankful for what we have. When we're thinking about what somebody else has, when my boys are thinking about what they don't have, then they're not grateful for what they do have. They can't appreciate what they do have. So you might be thinking at this point, so what is, what is all of this that I've talked about gratitude have anything to do with those widows? Well, <laughs> we're going to come to part two, part two of this message. Faith amplifies. Faith amplifies. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word activates faith. The word of God activates faith and an active faith will amplify whatever you're grateful for. And I want to show you a picture in the Bible of what that, what this means in Matthew 14, 16 to 20. And uh, most of us have heard this story as well. This is Jesus when he's feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children. It says this, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers, of broken pieces that were left over. Faith plus thankfulness equals more than enough. Faith plus thankfulness equals more than enough. Now, let's, let's look at the two stories of, these, of the widows. And they're, they're very similar in nature. Um, these widows have no source of income. They've lost everything that they have. And they're really at the point in the story where we read this. They're at their last resort. One, one widow is, is going to make her last cake, and then she and her son are going to die. Another widow is at the point where her, her children are about to be sold into slavery because she can't pay her debts. They have, they have nothing else. They have really no hope. But they have a word encounter. They have an encounter with the word of God. And that gives them hope. That gives them direction. Now, it's interesting what they do have in common. They do have a son or sons. So they have something worth living for. They have, they have a goal. They have a desire to, to not see their sons be sold into slavery, to not see their son or themselves die. But there's something else that they have in common. Anybody know what it is? Oil. They both have oil. One just a little bit left in the jug and one just a jar of oil. In fact, she says that's the only thing, the only thing left in their house. Oil is so important and significant, especially in biblical culture. It's, it's used for lighting. It's used for food, for cleaning. It's used for trade, commerce, and it's used for anointing. What a great word, Carlos Smith, over the tithe. 
My cup runneth over. He anointed my head with oil. What a beautiful picture. And I, I just see for you, Carlos, that there's, there's that picture of the cup running over is so important because um, the anointing that you have on your life will, will activate something in you. And as you allow that to process and flow like you did beautifully today, that's, that's how your cup runs over. And, and we think about that cup running over like, well, wouldn't that create a mess? Well, yeah, exactly. It's a God mess. So it's a good thing. Allow the mess to happen. Sometimes we want to control what God is doing in our, let your cup run over. He wants to make a mess of your life in a good way. Because why? God is good. He is good. Remember, always. One thing that the oil represents in the Bible throughout scripture, it represents the Holy Spirit. It represents the anointing. It represents the flow and it represents faith. It represents faith. So everything else in their house was gone. They had literally nothing else, but they still had a measure of faith. They still had a measure of faith, and that's all they need. That's all they needed, and it's all we need. All we need is a measure of faith. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your house? Do you have a measure of faith? Yes, you do. The Bible says that he has distributed to each one of us a measure of faith, and it only takes a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. So whatever else you have, it doesn't matter as long as you have faith. As long as you have that measure of faith, hold on to that measure of faith. In, in just a, a couple chapters later in Matthew, it, it, Jesus gives us a little insight into, into these miracles. Matthew 16, 7 to 12. Verse 7 says, At this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up? Or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So I say again, be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then at last, they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and the bread, but about the deceptive teaching of Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees and Sadducees were the religious leaders of that day. And, and they were so consumed. They were so wrapped around the rules and the regulations and, and, and the, the black and white and what's right and wrong that they had no room for faith. They had no room to see how God can move. And he was walking with them. God in person form was there with them. And they still couldn't see that it's more about faith than it is about the bread. It's more about faith. It's more about what God can do if you allow him to move than, than rites and rituals and rules and regulations. That's why he said you can't allow that teaching that is a faithless teaching, that is a rules, that is a condemnation teaching, that is a judgmental teaching, lead you down that path. That you have to operate in faith. You have to allow God, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to, to enlighten you to the possibility. You have to allow him to run over your cup to pour it out into you like the widow with the oil, to keep pouring and keep pouring and keep pouring as many jars as come. The oil didn't stop flowing. With these widows, the widow at Zarephath, she had faith to give first to God. She had enough flour and oil to make one, one piece of bread, and then she and her son were going to eat it and die. But she had the faith to say, at the word of God, at the word of God, I'm going to give first. I'm going to give first because I believe that the miracle is happening. I believe that this process, what I'm doing, how I'm engaging with the word of God is going to bring a transformation in my life. 
She had enough faith for that. The poor widow and her sons, she had the faith to go out and borrow pictures from all of her neighbors, all of her friends, all of her relatives. Like, I mean, that, it's not an easy thing to do to think, just I'm just going to go everywhere and, and borrow all these pictures. What's it for? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And she goes out and she borrows. And imagine if she had just a, a, a little bit of faith. Well, you know, I'll go borrow, borrow a few. Would that even be enough to pay her debts? She certainly wouldn't have enough to live, live on after. She had the faith to go out and get enough, not just to pay her debts, but to provide for her future, her future and her son's future. That she moved in that measure of faith. And that measure of faith is what brought the breakthrough for her. When Jesus was feeding the multitudes, he, he gave thanks and then broke the bread and distributed. And there were bas baskets of leftovers. There was baskets, there was extra, there was more than enough. But this message, more than enough, is not about leftovers. The point of this message, what I want to get to today, and what I want us all to, to hear and receive, is that when gratitude activates faith, then what is in your hand is more than enough. When gratitude activates faith, what you've got in your hand is more than enough. That little bit of oil, that little bit of flour she had was more than, more than enough to feed her whole household. That, that, that little bit of faith that she had to go out and gather the pictures was more than enough to, to bring her salvation, to bring her provision for the rest of her life. What have you got in your hand? It's more than enough. Whatever you have in your hand right now is more than enough for God to do something miraculous, for God to do a miracle. It doesn't matter what trial you're facing it doesn't matter how far off the rails that you've gone if you've got an ounce of sanity that's more than enough if you've got a, a dollar in the bank that's more than enough maybe you don't even have a dollar in the in the bank but maybe you have a friend that you can borrow from that's more than enough use your faith whatever measure of faith God has given you now is the time to exercise it now is the not not the time to to eat a last meal and die now is not the time to let to see your kids sold off into slavery now is the time to activate faith and how do you do it gratitude gratitude can we all stand to our feet right now I want to pray over us there's two groups of people that I'd like to pray for and the first one is, is anybody here today who's had a struggle in this area of gratitude? Anybody today who, who knows that you need a heart transformation in this area of gratitude? Maybe when I asked that question, you know, who do you feel more like, Charlie or, or Veruca? You kind of knew in your heart what the answer was and you didn't like it. I want to pray for you today. If you need to unlock vision in your life, if you need to unlock hope in your life, if you need to unlock a seed mentality in your life, then I want to pray for you. So right now, with, with all our eyes closed, heads bowed, if, there's any, if that's you today, if you know that you need to unlock a heart of gratitude, if you know that you need to shift your vision, shift your thinking out of a lack mentality, out of a lack perspective, into one of entering into his gates, entering into his goodness, where it's second nature. You don't even have to think about how good he is. You know how good he is. If that's you today, would you lift up your hand? I'd love to pray with you. God bless you. See that hand. See that hand all over. See those hands. God bless you. God bless you. See those hands over there. God bless you. God bless you. See those hands. Thank you, Jesus. See all those hands. Why don't we pray these words together? Let's everybody here say these words, especially those of you who lifted up your hand. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son as a gift to me. I thank you that you unlock in me a heart of gratitude.
that my focus will not be on what I don't have, but what you have given me. I thank you, Jesus, for abundance in my life, for prosperity, for provision, that I will see with the eyes of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. So good. The next group of people that I want to pray for are those who want to have an activated faith. Maybe you feel like your faith has been dormant. Maybe you're not even sure if you do have faith. But what I said is what the Bible says, is that God has given each one of us a measure of faith. And that faith is more than enough. That faith is more than enough to accomplish every purpose, every purpose that God has for you. Every single plan that he made for you before you were even born, he deposited the faith into your spirit to accomplish it, to bring it to fruition. So right now, I want to pray for people who want that activated faith, who, who, who like the widows, were maybe, maybe just waiting on a word from God. Maybe, they, maybe you're in a place right now where you're waiting to hear from heaven. You're waiting for that activating word. You, you, you don't see the way out in the situation that you have right now. You don't see the way out in the natural. But God wants to shift something in your heart today. He wants to shift something in your spirit so that you see not with your natural eyes, but you see with his eyes. You see with the eyes of heaven. You've gone in to the gates. You have that gratitude. You have that thankfulness in your, in your heart. Now you need the word. Now you need the activation. Now you need that. I want to I pray right now for you. And, and we're going to believe that God is going to deposit that word in your spirit. It's not even so much about what I'm saying. It's about what God is saying to you right now. Open up your heart. Allow him to, to flow in to that to your spirit. Allow him to speak into your spirit right now what that word is. Why don't we all lift our hands right now if that's you. If you need an activated faith, if you want God to shift something in your heart right now, allow his spirit to flow. Allow it to move. Allow God to do something powerful in your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an activation of faith, God, that you have given us that measure. You have given us that hope. You have given us that vision for our future, God. We are so thankful for what you have given us. We're thankful for what we have, God. We know that we come into your gates with thanksgiving. We give you glory and praise and honor right now for everything in our life, God. I thank you for this attitude of gratitude. I thank you for the attitude that will shift our thinking out of lack into abundance right now. God, I ask that you pour out your spirit. Pour out a word right now on each and every son and daughter in this house, God, that each one of us would receive something receive that word, receive that activation, receive a purpose, receive a plan, receive a hope. Whatever it is we need right now, God, you know it and you are it. God, I thank you for the breakthrough. I thank you for what you're doing in this house, in this place, in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody give God some praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.